Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. It's good to see everyone this morning, and we know a lot of our uh, teachers are in Colorado and uh, enjoying a wedding, so we're thankful that they're able to enjoy that, but unfortunately, this is what you're left with. All right, so I'm substitute teaching for Bryce, and uh, he did a great job of kicking off our uh, newest series, Christ and None Other. And uh, this week, he said, uh, I said, well, I'm ready for whatever material you have. And he said, well, it's an open door for you. You can choose whatever it is that you'd like to teach about the sufficiency of Christ. And so when you approach something that um, infinite, it's like walking up to a 20-pound cheeseburger and finding out where to start. Um, but based on what Bryce started with last week, which is uh, living the examined life, uh, we talked about how the unexamined life is not worth living. Bryce opened with that um, idea. Um, and still, though, even an examined life uh, can end in defeat. We know that from we had two well-known um, celebrities that committed suicide in the past week, and I can guarantee you that they examined their life many times, uh, but they were still left wanting um, no, no happiness, no contentment, even though they had everything of the world. Uh, so today I decided to uh, delve into Christ as sufficient in all areas of truth in life, uh, because that is the foundation for knowing Him and knowing ourselves is the truth that we find in Scripture and in the life of Jesus himself. Uh, so that's where we're going today. Um, this teaching series, again, is to affirm that Christ alone is sufficient for all of life. And so uh, we'll be examining our sufficiency and the claim of Jesus Christ as the embodiment of all truth. Um, so before we get started with the idea of truth, and I am going to be asking a couple of questions, so... Be ready for that. You don't have to answer, obviously, but if you'd like to add, I'd appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> we know that the world, I know on Facebook, we're all on Facebook, right? We all see things all the time, people posting messages or memes or something with some encouraging word or some wise saying that is claimed as truth. So... How does the world define truth? What do you think? How does the world define truth? Relatively. Very good. That's what I had in mind. Relatively. Whatever my neighbor believes is true, I believe is true. There's no direct north as far as a compass. And, of course, the world, and I'm talking about non-believers in the world, do not reference Scripture. They don't look at the life of Christ as the embodiment of truth. Um, they look at their neighbor. They look at the person in prison, and they say, well, he did something wrong. I'm not going to do that, so therefore, I'm a good guy compared to the bad guy. And that's how they live their life. Um, what's on the news today? This is the cultural shift. It sounds good. I'm going to go in that direction also. 
Um, that's how people define truth in the world, is whatever the world is saying at that moment in time. So, what gives Christianity the authority, then, to claim not just an answer, but the answer to the meaning of life? What makes it true? There are an estimated 4,200 various religions, cults, and individual spiritual leaders, even atheists, and by the way, atheism doesn't even claim um, objective truth, but there are atheists that still try to claim objective truth. I know this because I've had conversations with atheists that claim objective truth. And when we go into how do you <clears throat> define objective truth to your fellow atheists, they're holding on to a Christian ideal. They're not holding consistent to even their own atheism, but these people in all of these various religions, the thousands of religions around the world, are sincere most of the time. They sincerely hold to whatever it is that they feel is true. And this is why we get divorced many times. True, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> these sincere believers in their own ideologies and their own religions get to the point of anger and even retribution, cause of wars and things, if their belief system is challenged and uh, if it's challenged as being false. So I just did a little research and how many followers, sincere followers of these different religions are there? There's a Pew Research Center we know does international polling around the world. By the year 2050, these are projected totals but there will be 2.7 billion Muslims in the world. There will be uh, one point, or I'm sorry, 1.03 billion, so 1 billion 30 million Hindu in the world, 500 million Buddhists, uh, 500 million people involved with African tradition, Chinese Eastern religions, even Native American, Australian Aboriginal, all of these different worldviews, um, so 500 million grouped into that, and then also 14 million Jewish people. And by the way, Judaism, which is the foundation of our Old Testament, rejects Christ as the Son of God, rejects him as the Messiah. Therefore, even Judaism is put in that category as being a false religion. So, with all of these sincere people out there, you would say, well, there's 2.7 billion Muslims by the year 2050. Shouldn't it, be, shouldn't it have some truth in it? When there is a compromised truth, there is no truth. And we'll be talking about that today. Yes. Yes, and Christianity will also grow... Um, it will be nearly three billion. So it'll still be the highest in the world, as Bryce kind of mentioned last week. Yes, yes. Um, Islam has the highest growth rate by far. Right. And so these statistics then are just given to reinforce the claim that there are billions of people who follow something other than the Christian worldview. So we need to establish that and remember um, all of the people out there you come in contact with these people every day that hold a, different, a differing worldview. And so Warren Wearsby illustrates 
that even though someone sincerely holds to a certain belief, it does not make it necessarily true. He gives an illustration. Uh, Consider a man sincerely wants to get to Los Angeles from New York. Boards a flight destined for Chicago. He will never reach Los Angeles on that flight, regardless his level of sincerity. Our worldview and what we know to be true is leading us to a certain destination. And Christianity holds that the Word of God holds the truth to lead us to the person of Jesus Christ. That is the only way to find truth. But we know the world does not believe that Scripture is infallible and perfect truth for us. Um, And so their destination then will necessarily be something other than Christ and inevitably something other than eternal life with Christ. Uh, So it's our goal this morning to board the correct flight, to reach the destination of truth found in Christ and none other. So then let's look at the biblical form of truth then. I could talk all morning about uh, worldly philosophy. I've seen some of the best philosophers in the world, William Lane Craig, Frank Turek, uh, Alvin Plantinga, systematically defend the Christian faith, airtight arguments, apologetic arguments for the existence of God and the existence of moral absolutes in the world. But people still cannot hear. They still do not accept that as truth. They deny it. So why? We'll find. Um, We'll find out this morning. It says, from John MacArthur, in an article entitled, What is Truth? He said, Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, character, glory, and being of God. Truth is the self-expression of God. Truth is the way things really are, objectively. God is the author, the source, the determiner, governor, ultimate standard and final judge of all of truth. So when Jesus said of himself, I am the truth, he was thereby making a profound claim about his own deity as the Son of God. He was also making it clear that all of truth must ultimately be defined in terms of God and his eternal glory. It can't be determined by what your neighbor thinks or what the culture thinks. It's determined by Christ and what he said in, in his work and his word. So Jesus also said that the written word of God is truth. It does not merely contain little nuggets of truth like most all false religions do. It is pure. It is unchangeable. The inviolable truth, which means it cannot be broken. It supports itself. It's, it does not contradict itself. And even praying to his heavenly father, On behalf of his disciples, Christ said, Sanctify these men by your truth. This truth is what renews our mind and makes us holy before God. It points us to Christ. And uh, so, moreover, the word of God is eternal truth, which lives and abides forever. So, it's essential to understand then that truth does not contradict itself. And. This message today is a mixture between uh, an evangelistic message and also an exhortation to those who claim Christ. We're going to be uh, getting into both of these things. 
So Jesus and the Word of God are in perfect agreement. So this Bible is not God. Okay, I don't bow and pray to the Bible. But the Word of God is the expression and the communication of God as pure truth. So whenever I refer to Scripture today, I'm referring to something that cannot contradict itself. It's objective truth, and um, it's going to point us to Christ every time. So I'm going to be reading some Scripture today, so keep that in mind. Um, Both Christ and the Word are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that um, this truth that's unchanging, it will stand forever. So we have to remember that this word is not just words on a page. It is a living word. So we even find ourselves in the pages of God's word. You know, I talked about the examine life last week, coming to know Christ ourselves. So what does the world say about the human race? What do you hear in the world to describe people? And this could be a Christian perspective or a worldly perspective what would you like to say? Yeah. He said good in okay. He said there's good in everyone. Yes. Okay. So who we are is who we are, right? Uh, I'm proud of who I am. You know, the whole pride movement in the LGBT community. I was born this way. Accept me for who I am. I'm not changing. Okay. That's true. I can't help it, right? I'm just a product of my environment. It's not my fault if I do wrong. And what's wrong anyway, right? Um, Let's see what the Word of God says about us. From Adam, the human race has been fallen. And Thomas Aquinas, who's a respected theologian, said that, yes, our will is fallen, but our mind is not. And he was wrong. The Bible says that not only are our hearts corrupt, we cannot receive the truth. And Christ said, we cannot do good. We can think, well, Paul wrote in Romans, that there are none that seek God, there are none that does good. That means none. So, it's easy to underestimate or ignore the fullness of our fallen condition. Uh, We like to think, who was it that said that? that we are good, you know, there's a lot of good in me, Um, but that's ignoring the truth of God. We like to think that there's some amount of goodness, you know, it's going to please God, but we're mistaken. The natural man cannot do these things. So when you hear these things, what's happening is there is a line of separation, truth claims here, objective truth, unchanging truth, and everything else. So the Bible offers a dichotomy over and over again. The sinner, the saved. Those that do not hear God's words and those that do hear God's words. The sheep hear my voice. He's separating the sheep, right, from those that are not his children. So, if you hear 
such a description, a description of Jesus as truth with delight, and that brings you joy that Christ is the Son of God, and that this is the Word of God, that is a proof and a fruit that you are his child because you have heard his word. But those that think, well, there's no way That's, that Jesus could be the Son of God. Yeah, he's a good teacher and all that, but is he the Son of God? When we hear that kind of thing, or maybe we're saying that to ourselves, it is likely that one is, and this sounds dramatic, but Christ said that person is a child of Satan. Now, I know in our um, sermon today, we're going to be having um, an examination of who our enemy is, but these people that reject Christ are of the kingdom of darkness. You're like, oh man, that can't be. Christ said it. We're going to read it in John chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to read along with me because these, this is essential to know ourselves uh, and what Jesus says. So we're in John uh, chapter 8, all the way down to verse 42. And uh, Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews that had rejected his truth claims. All right? And they were becoming steadily angry. And so Christ says to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he, the Father, sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the, desi the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. He said that because these people wanted to kill him. And it actually says at the end of their conversation here in John chapter 8, they sought to kill him because he was claiming truth. And they did not want to hear that. We continue, it says... He was murdered from the beginning, and the devil does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God and for this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. So Christ is making a distinct separation here. Those that hear the word of God and accept the Bible as truth, and that Christ is the Son of God, are in this category. And those which are of the kingdom of God, they're children of God. Those that reject it, children of the, of the devil, of the kingdom of darkness. I've entitled this lesson, The Bound and the Free. And we look at ourselves in the mirror, our hair's in place, we're wearing a nice shirt, 
We're going to church this morning. And from all outward appearances, we see ourselves as good people. But that is not the way Christ sees people. He sees them in bound in sin or set free by the truth of who he is and accepting, receiving that which Christ offers them, which is eternal life through himself. So, examine yourself. Do you accept Christ's truth? Be thankful. We're going to be talking about, in just a little bit, um, the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot hear God's word unless the Father draws and the Holy Spirit instills a heart, a regenerated heart, a new heart, to want the things of God. Now, some people say, well, I love God because I love God. Well, I'm thankful that you love God. But let's remember what the Word says about us. We cannot hear Him. We cannot do good until God in His perfect plan sought us out and the Holy Spirit uh, created in us a new person. And then we want the things of God. But we do have to hear about Christ first. That's why the Word is so important and why accepting His truth is essential to knowing Christ. So... I had to put that in there. This isn't pneumatology, but we have to understand the work of the Holy Spirit is essential in claiming these truths. So uh, the person of the Holy Spirit is essential. So God's children delight in the truth of Christ, and um, we see the striking divide. Those that accept him, those that don't. Um, either one is a child of the devil, one is a child of God. And uh, so... As we hear about what, who the world says that Christ is, not just what truth is, but what does the world say of Christ himself? What do you hear about Jesus? People say, oh, you're a Christian. I respect Jesus, too. But why do people say they, reject, or they respect Christ? What does the world say? He's a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, that Right. She said that she was teaching and there were Muslim men in her class. They said we respect Christ as a teacher. And I believe even the Muslim faith says he was a prophet also. Right, and he died. They'll accept that, but there is no resurrection. We must believe that he also resurrected. It's not good enough to just say, yeah, Jesus was good. I love Jesus. I love my parents. We love our friends. You can love Jesus, but... Accepting as, as the Son of God, that is a completely different claim. Yes? You've got to believe. You've got to look back at it. all the false religions, all everything that's out there in the current now, always in the minutes that Jesus was there. But the minute they admit that he rose from the dead and that he is God, they are responsible for their actions. They're responsible to claim that they are sinners and they 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they'll respect Christ, and he is an undeniable historical figure, but they will not accept his deity. And that's, yes? Well, you know, even in the Bible, Satan acknowledges Christ mm-hmm. and his power. But then again, the world doesn't want to acknowledge Satan anymore. But we have to embrace all these things that show that Jesus truly is uh, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Satan, our enemy that we're going to be learning about in the worship hour, wants nothing more than to destroy the authority of Scripture. If he could destroy the authority of Scripture and all of truth, because that's what it is, he's going to also destroy the claim of Christ as Savior, Son of God, which destroys our salvation, which destroys any truth of a coming judgment. The world doesn't want to hear about a coming judgment, but the Bible says that there is. We have to accept that as truth. Um, So... The authority of Scripture is our foundation for all, um, and it is sufficient. Okay, staying on topic here, it is sufficient to lead us to Christ. The Hindu looks at Jesus as simply just another spiritual example to emulate. They see the holiness in Christ, and they want to also move into that goodness, that enlightenment, as the Buddha says. And by the way, the Buddhist doesn't even believe in a God. We're all enlightened deity, if you want to say that. But um, the Buddhist will not accept the deity of Christ. So in Matthew 10, 22, we find Jesus warning the apostles then, when you have all of these other differing opinions and view, worldviews out there, he says in Matthew 10, that you will be hated by all because of my name. Yes? And Satan's done a good job. You know, he's the big deceiver, the liar, okay? He's done a good job of convincing people that we're all just worshiping the same God. In uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, in the last battle, the last book, he says um, there's an imposter. He is uh, an ape, and he pretends that, um, that Aslan has come, who is the Christ figure. And he puts a donkey... It was a very stupid, we'll just be nice here, or very blunt. He's a very stupid donkey. And the ape convinces him to put on a lion's skin and pretend that he is Aslan. And they actually say later on in the book that Tash, which is the god, the false god, and Aslan are the same god. And so they start referring to this donkey as Tashlan. Syncretism. And so all of these religions reject the deity of Christ, but people don't live consistently with that. We all worship the same God, but that's not true. Jesus said, if you claim me, you'll be hated by all, 
In John 15, 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. So we can't be surprised nor discouraged when the world rejects you, those who claim Christ. Um, One of the biggest names in CrossFit lost his job this past week. Anyone read that story? In, in the mainstream news. He lost his job because he said that homosexuality is a sin. The Bible says it. He was not being derogatory. He was stating an objective truth, and he lost his job. Why? Because the world hates the truth. And um, he held to that. He didn't apologize. He's not begging for his job back because he claims Christ, he claims truth. Would you? And so, the truth divides. The word of God is a sword. It's the sword of truth. It's not, yeah. That's right. They will tolerate anything but Christ. Anything but the truth. And uh, so the word of God is a sword of truth. It's not meant to butter your bread. It's not a butter knife. It's not meant to pat your fellow sinner on the back and say, keep going. It divides the dichotomy. Who hears the word of God? Who accepts it? And who doesn't? The world does not. And so we read, let's breathe a, fresh, a breath of fresh air now. We have to understand the depravity of man before we can understand the glory of the gospel. So we talked about how bad we are. We talked about how the world rejects Christ. But let's look at people who did accept him. We're in John chapter 8 still. And earlier, Christ is talking to those that had believed We're going to start in verse 31. And uh, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been enslaved to anybody. How is it that you say you'll become free? Remember the bound and the free. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin, which is everyone in this room, is the slave of sin. But the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son, referring to himself, makes you free, you will be free indeed. So Christ was saying that he alone has the authority to grant freedom to the slaves in his world, in his house. You won't be a slave forever He was saying to those that had believed him, 
you will be made free. The truth will set you free. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. And uh, everyone heard that, right? Thanks, Dan. He's in the back. Everyone should be able to hear him there. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. So what Brother Dan was saying, and give me an air horn, Dan, if I'm wrong. He was saying that just because you claim a certain belief system with a certain amount of bits of truth in it, it does not protect you from being categorized as either you know, a slave of sin or not. Even if you are believing in a certain system, whatever worldview that is, you are still grouped in the same group as everyone. Because it says, whenever he says, everyone who commits sin, he's not exempting anyone. He's talking to Jews here. And by the way, if the Jews don't have a claim to salvation by trusting in God the Father, they're the chosen people. If they don't have a claim, the Gentiles don't. I'm a Gentile by definition. Is there anyone here that has Jewish ancestry in this room? Exactly. Not all Israel is Israel. What that means is, just because they claim to be, we're descendants of Abraham, we're good with God. We're in there. We're on the right path. But when you reject Christ, you're in the same category, like Dan said. When you reject Christ, here's the, the dichotomy, here's the rift, the line that separates, they're still in the group of sinners. You have to accept Christ to accept truth and accept the freedom that he offers so, continuing, those that believed that Jesus was the Christ were truly his disciples. They had been set free from their sin and the lies. They were once of the kingdom of darkness, but now they would walk in freedom, in the kingdom of God. I'm picturing someone who has been in a dungeon for 25 years, if you've been lost and then saved at the age of 25, you love the gospel. You love Christ because you know where you once were, and now you're enjoying walking in this freedom, this newness of life. And uh, when we talk about this bondage, uh, A.W. Pink, Arthur W. Pink said in his exposition of John, which Keith Carter gave me, and I'm, I'm very appreciative of um, his willingness to give me books because they come in handy, like now. It says that he uh, tries to comment, or he commentates verse 33 and says, This signifies that the natural man is in bondage. But this is a truth that the natural man cannot tolerate. The very announcement of it stirs up the enmity within him. Tell the sinner that there is no good thing in him, and he will not believe you. 
but telling that he's completely the slave of sin and the captive of Satan, that he cannot think a godly thought of himself, that he cannot receive God's truth, that he cannot please God, that he cannot come to Christ, and he will indignantly deny your assertions. These Jews assumed that since they were descendants of Abraham, part of the chosen nation, their standing of God was guaranteed without question. They did not view themselves as a sinner. Now I'm speaking to everyone. Do you view yourself as a sinner? Do you view yourself as in bondage? We citizens claim to be a free people here in America, just as these Jews claim to be a free people. We don't want to be a slave. It shows that we are subject to a higher authority. We have to answer to someone else. But if we reject the truth of Christ, we are indeed slaves. And it says um, in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So what does this truth of Christ set us free from? Christ has set us free from the curse that the law of God, the truth of God, pronounces on the sinner. This sinner who has been striving unsuccessfully to achieve his own righteousness, as all the works of righteousness that other religions try to say, you do this, this, and this, and you're in. You're in heaven. It's, it's your own doing. But that is not true. Charles Wesley, who was actually Arminian in his theology, penned a poem which became a song, And Can It Be? Long my imprisoned spirit lay. Picture the dungeon, the bondage. Fast bound in sin and nature's night, the natural man in darkness. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. God looked at that slave of sin in the dungeon. Condemned to die, I'll add. But there was a life-giving ray of light, the light of truth, the light of Christ. I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That is the song of the redeemed. Some may say, I still don't believe that I'm a sinner. You're deceiving yourself, and the truth is not in you. 1 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. I will read. So 1 John 1 and 8. We're almost out of time here, but... Uh, he says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, 
and his word is not in us. So again, the word of God says there's no good people. Now, let us say that you claim Christ. I love Jesus. Have you known of any celebrities or people well-known that say, I love Jesus, but then you go and research that person, just a quick search on YouTube or something, and it's not 30 seconds into an interview or something with that person. I'm trying to hear the truth of God expressed to the masses through this person with this great platform, and they're cursing, they're profane. The fruit of the Spirit is not evident anywhere on that person's life. So, do they know Christ? Or do they have an idea of Christ and they're really following after some idea that's not actually Him? So, in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and I'm going to read this, and this is an exhortation to us who claim Christ. My little children, John says, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation, that appeasement for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world those who have trusted Christ as Savior. By this we know that we have come to know him. I'm going to read that again. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, like Bono from U2, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth, again, is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner that Christ walked. You've heard walk the talk. This is illustrated here, in the exact wording here. So, this is an exhortation to we who claim Christ. Do you know that you know him? Or have you just kind of grown up in church and kind of heard the things of, of God, and you kind of, you know, you, you think it's true, just like some people say, yeah, Christ is kind of true, but do you know that you know him? Though one would claim to know Christ, he lives opposed to him, and the word of God says that person is a liar. Is he keeping Jesus' commandments, which we know people say, well, yeah, he had two main commandments that fulfilled the law. Number one, love your neighbor as yourself, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Mark says. That's true. They're like, well, I do that, you know? John Piper actually wrote a book called what Jesus demands from the world. Fifty chapters of explicit commands of Christ whereby we must live. 
There was another website that I saw in all of Scripture, not just Jesus' own commands, imperatives, but all of Scripture that all of the other contributors of the New Testament wrote commands for the Christian. And this one, um, I believe Piper said he found close to 500 in all of the New Testament. And so we have to know the Word of God to know Christ. And so we have to um, dig deeply. I said we must delve into the Word of God to mine these priceless gems of eternal truth to know that we have come to know Him. This is an exhortation. And in some ways, it's a warning also to examine ourselves. Bryce started last week with the examined life. But we have to examine our life properly with the light of truth. And so that will lead us then to Christ. So imagine trying to examine yourself in the mirror, in the dark. Do you see yourself as you really are in the dark? No. I know this. I get ready sometimes and with two little girls sleeping in my closet being in one of the little girls' rooms because of tight closet space, I sometimes come out with a different wardrobe than I intended. But if we are examining ourselves in the darkness relative to other people only, do we really know who we are and are standing before God? The answer is no. We have to examine ourselves with the light of the truth, which leads us to Christ, who is the embodiment of all truth. Have you ever gone to the doctor, got a physical exam in the dark? Would you trust what that doctor had to tell you? No, you should not. It's unwise. So based on this examination of ourselves and who God is as the embodiment of truth, we can rightly examine ourselves. Either one has believed that Jesus is not the Son of God, not sufficient to save sinners, or one has believed that he is. Either one is bound in sin, or one has been made free by the grace of God who has given us faith to trust Him as Lord, our Lord, Jesus Christ, living out the truth that He has set forward. So this was mostly an evangelistic message. Last week we talked about examining ourselves this week, examining ourselves by the light of truth to know him, know ourselves also. Because next week, Bryce is going to be talking about our hopeful future. It's not a hopeful future if you do not know Christ. In fact, it is a very dramatically scary future. It is a condemned future. So I just want to uh, encourage you to think on these things and allow the word of God to work. Um, any thoughts before we pray?
Well, these are just handwritten notes, Francis Schaeffer quotes and whatnot, so. Yes. Right. Right, which groups them into the, the world, right? Yes. They're living with the memory of the Christian base, even though they have no base to base their own truth. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's go ahead and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is sufficient for all areas of life. And we thank you for Jesus who gave himself for us, the sinner. And we trust that he is who he says he is. And we know he is living, and we know that the Holy Spirit is working. And so we pray, Lord, for uh, many, to come, uh, many to come to know him. And we pray, Lord, now for this church. May um, all the songs that we sing and uh, the things that we hear to be received heartily. And Lord, we just thank you for how faithful you are and pray that we would also be faithful to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.